We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Boston Celtics take down the Indiana Pacers 155 to 104. That's all coming up next here on Green with Envy. What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy, morning box score edition here. And this is a true morning box score. As always, this is your boy, Will Weir, checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me today, hot off the presses from his 10 takeaways from Celtics blog, it's my guy, Adam Taylor. How you doing, Adam? Dude, I haven't even got dressed yet. I'm still in my PJs. (laughs) It's nearly 2 p.m. in the afternoon. I woke up, watched the game. Had some breakfast, you know, watched it again, smashed the takeaways, flowed straight from that into here. I'm living life, dude. 155 to 104. The Celtics, what I like to call, decimated them. They bullied the shit out of the Indiana Pacers. And at times it felt unfair. Bro, you want to know a secret? I'm always in my PJs. I never change out of my PJs. That is the number one My number one favorite thing about my entire work life being remote is that basically roll out of bed, brush my teeth, get some coffee. I'm I'm in my office. It's one of the greatest things that you can do. So anytime you see me in a hoodie, it's either gym shorts or sweatpants underneath this desk right now. Or is it? No, I'm just playing. Yeah, there is something on underneath this desk right now. But basically working in my pajamas 24-7 is a fantastic feeling. It's, It's like I said maybe my favorite part of the entire remote lifestyle that exists now you see i think for me and this goes back to like the difference in school systems right like we were heavily like in in the uk you have to wear a school uniform and Mm -hmm. then a lot of the jobs i've worked at have been uniforms like or shirt and tie or shirt and slacks or whatever right Yeah, yeah yeah so I'll try and make the most of being able to wear what I want while working from home. And I like to kind of get dressed because, you know, I have to do the school run. Maybe I got to run to the store for whatever. So I like to just be like, dude, let me just put on this Vans top or let me go put on these pair of jeans that I really like with, you know, and I'm wearing what I want instead of having to wear a uniform. But So when I'm wearing PJs at two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm like, 
dude, I'm I'm really slumming it today. I need to, <laughs> you know, what I mean, I need to sort my life out real quick. My wife's. I mean, pre pre remote life that that's pretty similar to what it what it is over here. You know, I mean, I I did go to public high school where you could wear whatever, but like there are a lot of schools in the U.S. that are you know strict uniform based, and then every job I've had before going fully remote. There was always some form, even if it wasn't a strict, you must wear, you know, X, Y, or Z. It was like business casual, business professional. Uh, when I worked in sports for a little bit at the University of Texas, that was probably the the strictest they tried to do. And I actually even pushed back. I led like a whole, I led a, I led a whole internal revolt against them trying to make us wear suits all the time. Cause I was like, bro. It's Austin, Texas. All you dudes are coming from like, you know, places up north where you worked for, you know, or, or places around professional sports where you worked. And like, you know, there's a fall season, a winter season. It's summer down here all year. I ain't wearing a suit in, you know, 100 degree August heat. So I led like an entire like internal office revolt against the dress code. Uh, but uh, to your point, like the switch in being able to wear what you want and what makes you feel feel good which for me like i like wearing athleisure wear and, and wearing just very comfortable clothing so being able to do that for the last you know since 2020 that has been a, a revelation for me and i that's easy like i said it, it's a big part of my day-to-day -day is making sure that your boy is comfortable over here as an anti-conformist i'm very happy to hear you led a revolt event <laughs> against conformity. the one thing that everybody moans about to me about that um like my, bothers my wife it frustrates my daughter is if you're in a position of power i instantly have an issue with you because i'm not i'm not conforming to what you say so the fact that you led a revolt really fits well with me man but yeah i need to be dressed i need to feel yeah. like I tried to, i'll tell you what man at that job they also tried to go kind of like do you know like the the new york yankees have a policy where they they still have it in place their players can't have facial hair in fucking 2023 that's still a thing that they employ and so a lot of sports organizations and it's changing but there are there were a lot like you know six seven eight years ago they used to feel that same way about their staff they all got to be clean shaven and dude for me i haven't been clean shaven since i was 12 so i was like i don't know i didn't sign up for this shit so i literally had to talk to my director of of our of ticket operations and go through this whole thing about like if you want me to, i kind of gave him the i think i forget if it's jerry rice or Dion sanders but look good feel good play good and that's basically the kind of the the speech that i gave him about like yo if you make me shave i'm not gonna feel like me if you want me to be my best you gotta let me feel like me and i'll keep it clean but i i can't be shaving this whole thing dude i don't think i've not had facial hair since the same like you since like 12 i mean when i was trying to look good you know when like you're young and you're appearing like my parent i don't give a fuck what i look like anymore dude whatever like I wanted, but like I used to have a soap patch, just that one bit there, just like yeah, straight, and then a bit of a goatee, and then yep. over the time, like I've become a man. So I'm same. Just like, I've, just I've got the full beard. I, yeah. I used to be more of like the closed off, like Clay Thompson goatee. Yeah, almost, dude. You know, like just I used to just have the bottom bit, and like obviously when I was working in a building, my hair would always be cut. This would be trimmed nice, or it would be long and groomed. Now I'm just like, dude. I ain't had a haircut in eight weeks. I haven't had a beard trim in like 12 weeks. Who cares? I leave the house for 40 minutes a day. An hour you know what, day. man? You still look good. 
I mean, I try. It's the English accent. It makes everything sound like it's better. <laughs> it helps. It helps. Well, you know, I think we've talked long enough about facial hair and leading office revolts. You know what? It, it, it was a beat down last night, but it's still worth talking about. So let's jump into it and let's hit up the morning box score. Celtics 155, Indiana Pacers 104. Starting with the Pacers, and I got to be honest with you, Adam, we'll talk about it here in just a second. First half, this team shot 50% and was still down 20-plus after the first half. It was a really tough night, really tough night to be without your best player. No Tyrese Halliburton in this one. So for the Pacers, Andrew Nemhard had 14 points, but only on 6 of 17 shooting. Uh, Obi Toppin had 11 points, 8 points for Benedict Matherin. 18 points for TJ McConnell off the bench, who got some significant extended run based on the way this played out. But ultimately, there really just wasn't much the Pacers could ever really do in this one from start to finish, as it was just all, all Celtics. Let's go over to the massive highlights that come from the Boston Celtics. Of course, it all starts with Jason Tatum, who was going bananas. 30 points. 12 rebounds, 4 assists, 9 of 10 from the free throw line, 3 of 5 from the field, 9 of 15 overall. Let's take a check at the stock market from last night. Derek White, 7 of 10 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3, looking extremely confident. 3 rebounds, 4 assists, 18 points on the night. His co-partner in crime, Drew Holiday, 6 of 9 from the field, 3 of 4 from the 3-point line, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 block. So only 1 block on the stock exchange market last night, but 15 points for Drew Holiday, 13 for Chris Stapps, Porzingis, 16.7 rebounds for Jalen Brown, and even the bench got into the mix, which was really wasn't really a concern, but was the one somewhat concern you could try to find with this team. 17 points for Sam Hauser, who really got it going from 3 point range five to six and then preseason p decided to show up here in the regular season 15 points nine assists four rebounds off the bench for peyton pritchard adam you just wrapped up and sent out your 10 takeaways what was what was the number one thing from this decimation as you put it last night what was the number one takeaway that you had to, to lead off your article that i messed up the I messed up the headline. I gave it. I gave it a simple headline like "running it up" because it was a high score. It should have been the beat down in being time, um, like that. I try not to put my takeaways in order of importance. Like I just do them in kind of an order that I think flows well. So like I'll start with offense, flow into like some actions, then start looking at defense, and then anything else that kind of mops up or wraps it up. So like one of the things that. I really kind of wanted to touch on was Jason Tatum's quiet 30 because that's been something I like this. This is, this is the opposite of my dirty 30, the quiet 30, the quiet like 30, this. because this is something that he's been doing all season at the we're four games in. So all season should definitely be in air quotes. <laughs> but if you look at it, like, look, man, he's averaging 29.8 points per game over four games, you know, so a smidge under 30 a game. He hasn't had a takeover game. He hasn't had a game where you're like, yo, this was a Jason Tatum game. Those games aren't 30-point games anymore. That's for the next tier of player below him. His big games are a Jason Tatum game is 45-50. That's when you know it's been like a Jason Tatum takeover. A quiet 30 has become the very, very average, an average Jason Tatum note, 25 to 34 points a night. Get his rebounds in. Do a little bit of work as an assist. I think that this is just another like he's taking that next step, right? With with the post up play that he's mm -hmm. doing, with the attacking the rim, 
everything that he's doing on the interior and the way that he's picking his spots better. There was one play I shared in the takeaways where I'm not sure if it was Neesmith guarding him on the perimeter. I can't remember. It might have been Neesmith healed somebody like that. Um, You know, like not a primary defender, but also not a scrub of a defender. Um, And generally a year ago, two years ago, Tatum goes into a dribble, one, two, three through the legs, tween behind the back, sidestep three. And that's how it's going to go because he's got that mismatch. They're not going to be able to get a hand in his face or close it. Not this time, no. Because why does the same dribble move? You know, like that's kind of like his little signature tween, tween, cross, cross behind the back, gets the bite and then drives bang straight, finishes with a nice up and under reverse. It's just been a different mindset from him, and it is a quiet 30. He shot, took, yeah, you know, shot I, nine I, I'm loving, I'm loving this idea of the quiet 30 and the dirty 30. Which, for those of you listening, just just to remember the dirty 30 is, is kind of those games where you know you, you, you kind of fight your way, but at the end of the day, this is the Jason Tatum area that he lives in. Where man, it didn't feel like a good Jason Tatum game. Wait, what was that? He ended up with 31 points and 10 rebounds. That's kind of the dirty 30, and that usually involves getting to the line a bunch and really kind of you know, fighting your way to get to that 30, but that's your new baseline. This is the inverse of that, what Adam's talking about, where this is just what you expect, right? And this was, this was, you know, you quiet, but casual 30, right? This is, this is a casual 30. This is Jason Tatum. This is just Jason Tatum showed up for work today. <laughs> this is Jason Tatum showed up for work today and did the bare minimum. He got 30 points because that is the standard that he set. This is the and office then... equivalent of I took four poops in an eight-hour shift. Exactly. You, you you bided your time. You went to the snack room. You, you know, you you made the conversation at the coffee maker or the or the you know or the bubbler. There you go. I got you, Adam. Over at the bubbler, just to go kind of like show your face. Like, yeah, he was there, he put in some work, but you know, he did the bare minimum. But the bare minimum for Jason Tatum these days is a lot different. It's that superstar level, 9 of 15, efficient work, 9 of 10, 30 points, only played 26 minutes. So this is the point that you're kind of making here, Adam. This is in 26 minutes and 34 seconds of work. If this man played his normal, you know, 35 minutes, another 8 to 9 minutes in this game, this is easily a 40, 45-point game. And then it's a quiet 40, quiet 45. Because it's like when I think of like a big game for Tatum, like, there's periods of dominance there. There's periods where it's like, yo, Tatum can't miss. Nobody's stopping him. They're running everything through him because mm-hmm. he, he's put them on his back. You know, the Celtics are a backpack and Tatum. Or if we want to go Kyrie Irving, Cel- uh, Jason Tatum is the tortoise and the Celtics are the back. Just wondering through space. I'm c- completely confident we will see those games this year. I think there'll be times mm-hmm. where, especially against bigger opponents, where Tatum does kind of evolve into the superstar yeah. version of himself, but he doesn't need to be that guy. And then, and that's, and that's the thing, this starting five, man, it is, it's crazy, right? Like I know, like I said, we've talked on the last couple of pods and just mostly because it, it, it's hard to, when you have a show where you're going to run two or three episodes a week, hard to come on here and just be like, Hey man, this team's fucking awesome. Nothing to talk about. This team is, is, is great. So, you know, we've even said, like, ah, how do we feel about this bench? You know, the starting five, starting six, as they as they want to try and act like, you know, is, is, is so great. What about the bench? Bench shows up last night. You know, they, everybody showed up last night. But you look at this starting five, and to your point of Jason Tatum doesn't have to go 
above and beyond every single game, which is an extreme luxury. You know, I just want to read this out here. Taylor Snow tweeted this out earlier today, just highlighting some of the starting fives early on here in the season. And he used specifically Boston, Denver, Milwaukee, Golden State, and the Lakers. You know, five teams that are generally considered to be championship contenders and what their net rating is thus far this season. I'm going to give you all the other four teams. Then I'll give you the Celtics here. Denver, plus 2.7 with their championship winning starting five. Milwaukee, minus 3.6, which, by the way, got beat down in Toronto last night. Golden State, minus 10, although we know that they have a long, long track record of bouncing back. But nevertheless, Los Angeles Lakers, minus 22. The Celtics, with Derek White, Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Chris Stapps Porzingis, plus 37.3. Like you said, Adam, we always, you know, all season long, small sample size, yada, yada, yada. We all we all know it's only a couple of games, but this starting five has just been off the charts to start. And if you're a Celtics fan, th- there's not much more you, you could want to see out of this starting five and the way they all complement and balance each other through these first four games. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, everybody's playing a very specific role, but a very broad role at the same time. They are intertwining and interlinking with what they're doing. And what I mean by that is you've got through Holiday uh, as a proper ball handler, but then he'll flow into being more off-ball because Derek White's now operating as a ball handler. You have Jalen Brown running more post-ups. We saw him go to the post a few times against Indiana. But overall, Brown isn't really initiating offense this season. He's been used more of a scorer slash play finisher. His touches are down from last season. Uh, Again, very small sample size, four games. But we're talking roughly eight touches a game less. Derek White is above him in touches per game. Drew Holiday is just below him. And I think one thing I will note about that, Adam. None of the starters have played the last fourth played the fourth quarter in either of the last two games. So that's well, also going to shift some this of the stats as well, right? But when you look at touches, like touches, you look at usage for offense, you look at touches for playmaking, right? Right. So Brown has had the ball in his hands a little bit less, but he's having a similar usage rate. So they're still putting him in positions to score. They're just saying, hey, when you do have the ball, you can bring it up the court. You can do what you need to do, but we want you looking at that room and we want you doing what you need to do in the mid range and so forth. For Zingas, you know, he's shown a little bit of passing chops, but overall, there's a lot of crossover, but a lot of defined roles at the same time. You know what I mean? I think the yeah. only guy with true freedom here is Tatum, and that's yeah. what you'd expect from a superstar. Um, 
because Tatum, especially because he's so vital at all three levels. Exactly. Right? Like, because and I genuinely do have Tatum as a superstar. I I don't think there's many superstars in the NBA. I think five, maybe six, seven. But those guys do get complete freedom within a system mm-hmm. to impact it the way they need to impact it or find their rhythm yeah. the way they need to. I think Tatum's there. And if he yeah, wasn't, yeah. he is now. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm very big on the, we overuse the term superstar. There's really about five to seven each year that truly exists. But one thing that's come up a couple times, and I, and I wonder if, the, I don't know, I haven't had it, you just literally put up the takeaways before we hopped on, so I haven't had a chance to read them yet. But I am curious to know, did you hit on that? And this has been a very big talking point throughout the season is is kind of the shot variance that that this team is promoting versus the you know just being reliant on the three-point ball last year and a big part of that has been operating more out of the out of the post to open up other areas of the game and you've mentioned it a couple times in in some of the conversation that we're having here you know is that something that that you've noticed more or what have you noticed about the celtics operating more out of the post to open up other parts of the offense yeah i mean i've touched on it in each of the takeaways i haven't done a deep dive i feel like that'll be a separate analysis and i want at least 10 to 20 games of sample size before i really even consider exploring that in depth right i mean i pull clips from every game so i'll have a a repository of film to go to as well but yeah for sure i mean i feel like the post-ups the post-entry passes are a lot bigger now Uh, the celtics opened up this game i've got it wrote down here actually so let me read it out their opening play was an exit screen followed by an elbow dribble handoff that ended up with a um post-entry for drew holiday Mm. on the block Right, they're making a conscious effort to get the ball inside to get the ball on the post. Drew Holiday is a fantastic post player, Jason Tatum is exceptionally gifted and can play at the post whenever he needs to. Brown's got that fade away and that turnaround jumper, he's also very strong, can bully his way towards the rim if he needs to, can escape off a sidestep and then hit a fade away in the midi. Chris, that's Porzingis just towers over most people. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, does, does and Al Horford for the majority of his career, was a post player. So your top mm-hmm. six... Oh, sorry, Derek White can... You know, I think he's probably the least... Uh, the lowest out of them six to play in the post. But for he sure. can facilitate out of there, for sure. Um, I haven't seen any grenade actions yet. I'm dying to start seeing grenades where it's... Um, but other than that, I think that post entries make sense because of how much playmaking there is off that post from different guys and how much scoring's there. And it has opened up a ton because, obviously... Certain guys are drawing doubles in the post, and that's leaving shooters open. Other yeah. guys are getting the ball in the post, and then there's an uh, an off-ball screen or a back screen slash rip screen to get guys cutting down towards the rim. And now there's an easy pass to make. And then, obviously, we've also had some great like swing passes off Paul Zingas that can just see over the defense. It's definitely been, in my opinion, it's definitely been a focus point but so has attacking off the rip through so has like splitting the defense and getting to the rim it's just an increased amount of pressure within that four to eight feet range from the basket and then allowing that to generate rotations that create threes i don't know how are you seeing it are you seeing it similar uh, I mean, honest. I mean, for me, it's. I mean, because honestly, I like the way that you can can break it down from from those different angles. You know, helps me kind of contextualize what what I see out there, right? Because for me, it's just the shot variance is is incredibly noticeable. Where last year we would come on here, and I, I think I said this on the last podcast, we could basically without watching the game. We could just go check the three-point line, and we can probably tell you more or less what happened in that game, right? And now, I mean, even in the first two games in which the Celtics played those two competitive games against the Knicks and Heat, 
they lost the three-point line by a large margin in both of those games and still found ways to beat playoff teams. And then, of course, you see these games against the Wizards and Pacers where it's an annihilation from, from the first quarter on, and they just are able to steamroll that momentum. So, I, I mean, I, I think for me, it's just the way that the – and I was thinking about this last night. The part that is probably the most beautiful about those Celtics top six rotation guys, and, and this applies defensively as well, but the fact that you have – Two combo guards, Drew Holiday and Derek White. You have two wings, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And you've got two bigs, Chris Davis Porzingis and Al Horford. And the fact that you can create out of those six, you can create so many different combinations of lineups just within those six that give you diversity for what you're looking for, whether it's on the offensive or defensive side, depending on how if you want to go two guards, two wings, and a big. Two guards, one wing, two bigs. Two wings, one guard, two big, you know, whatever it might be. And then you can switch what those wings are or what those bigs are and what you're trying to do, who you're running the offense through, whether you're going through the post, whether you're running more of that dribble handoff that we saw with Chris Dapps Porzingis several times last night. You know, there's there's so many different ways that that this team can run. And, you know, we, we talked a lot about last year about having versatility. I think last year we almost fooled ourselves into feeling like we were a, a versatile team because the the ingredients to the recipe, I think, were there to be to be a versatile team. But I don't think that's actually what that team was, especially when you get, we saw late in games and you saw the way that the breakdowns would be the same issues over and over again that would happen. I think right now you're seeing the foundation of, of what this team can be and, and what and it's only going to get better. Right. We're four games into this experiment like. Drew Holiday and Chris Porzingis are four games in to playing with all these other guys right now. So there's only room to improve, understand each other better. And I think that's where, you know, this team is, is going to another level that if you have these six guys, it is really scary to think about what this looks like now in game four versus what this might look like come, say, game 60 when they've got a couple months of, of getting to know one another underneath their belt. Yeah, because there's evolutions that are bound to happen. And one thing that I like is, and I kind of alluded to this in the takeaways, is with the way they're playing, it feels like they're playing a little bit of cat and mouse. So mm -hmm. some of the things that they're doing in two games, they completely move away from in a third game because, combinate, as you said, you've got... So many lineup combinations. I like to think of it like a bite lock, right? You know, the little locks you get for your bike. Yeah. And there's only four numbers, but the amount, the combinations that you can create out of those four numbers. The permutations I mean, you can make out of it. There we go. A so, so like, my coffee's kicking in here. That's, there right. we that's go. why I'm, I'm getting a little bit smarter, a little, little minute by minute. I'm in X's and O's mode right now. But like, that's enough to keep something secure, right? Now you're doing this with six. So the combinations that you can do are vast. But it's also the same with what you can do schematically. So if anyone's been like following my social media at all, I've, I've been quite quiet, but I've been a little bit, you know, I've posted some stuff. First few games, the Celtics ran a bunch of empty corner stuff. Just whatever act, whatever side of the floor they were on, they were getting somebody out of the corner and then attacking the space that is created by not having a low guy defending the corner. So they come into this game against Indiana. Indiana were probably thinking, well, you know, that every game their pick and roll is based around having an empty side. We'll, we'll defend. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll build for that. Carlisle's a really good coach, got a great um, ex level of experience in the league. He's definitely going to have come up with a game plan for that. So what did the Celtics do? They leave somebody in the corner this time and start running pin downs with the corner guy curling off and then feeding the curler around the elbow, around the nail, towards the mid block. 
and just blowing the defense wide open because it just wasn't designed for that. You mentioned as well the Chris Stapps Porzingis handoffs. They ran a ton of delay, yeah. uh, which, you know, a big man for anyone that's not familiar with delays, just you've got a big man in this instance, Porzingis or Horford at the very top of the perimeter. You've got your other four guys spaced around the three point line. It's just a fancy way of saying the big man's got the ball, no one's inside delay. They ran a lot of that and they created actions off of that. They did one where they had Horford in the delay and then they set double pin downs on either corner and got both sides to curl into the paint. Defense was like, what the hell is going on? These guys don't run. <laughs> For the first three games, they haven't attacked out of the corners at all. They've actually preferred having no one there. We've built a whole game plan around this. And then mm-hmm. Joe Mazzula just puts a different combination together along with his coaching staff. And it's just almost impossible to guard when your entire game plan, the scouting report that's led up to this, didn't have information on these plays being part of the team's uh, you know, scheme. It was just completely new. And I think that that's why... If you go and look at some of the stuff I'm going to share or or the takeaways or like some of the videos I can run now, that's why the defense was so blown open every time they ran a curl out of the corner because they just didn't prepare for that and it wasn't something they were expecting to happen. It it also helps that Indiana's not necessarily known for their defense. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it does, but I mean... That that definitely helps. There's being beat and then there's being blown wide open. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And they were blown wide open. This is wide open. I mean, 70, the fact that the Celtics scored 75 points in the first half and actually outdid themselves in the second half with an 80 point second half. I mean, that tells you a lot about, you know, how quickly in pretty much all night, how this game got out of hand, dropping 155 points. I don't care who you're playing. It's an NBA game. That is a lot of points to score. Celtics now 4-0 and on the season. I got a little excited last night. I errantly tweeted out they're the last undefeated team. That is actually not true. There is one remaining. Und- they're the last undefeated team in the Eastern Conference. Adam, do you know the other undefeated team that still remains out West? Okay, so Phoenix has lost two. Golden State lost to Phoenix on opening night. The Lakers have lost to the Warriors, if I remember correctly. The Spurs have lost two. Uh, the Trailblazers have lost. The Rockets have lost. Uh, are the Nuggets undefeated, or the Nuggets lost? I haven't. So the Nuggets lost last night, and this is what got me okay, a little so excited to, to pronounce games, the Celtics yeah. as the last undefeated team. Ooh. The last undefeated team that, aside from the Celtics, that exists out west. It's your Grant Williams-led Dallas Mavericks. And yo, did you see Doncic crediting but... Luke, credit? Did you see Luca crediting Grant for? the way their defense has been since he came. I, I did not, but I know that I owe that entire team a massive apology. Greg and I did our over-unders podcast a couple weeks ago, right before the season started. And we both, after watching, and this again proves why preseason just literally means nothing. You got to throw up every fucking thing from preseason. They lost to Real Madrid. They were getting worked by the, the Minnesota Timberwolves, like to the point where I was like, this is the team that they're rolling out. And I think their over under was like 43 and a half and they still might end up being close, but I was pretty defiant. I was like, this is going to be an under 500 team. Lo and behold, them and the Celtics last two uh, undefeated teams that still remain. Yeah. Um, you know, I like Derek Lively. I think he was a good, uh, he, a good pickup in the draft. Luca's recent comments. I think Luca's it's been re- going bananas. In, oh, in the bananas, the dude. 
but his recent comments about like Grant coming in, setting the tone defensively, being the guy that's kind of the defensive leader, the guy that's used, like vocal, organizes where everyone's mm-hmm. going to be. Luca's like, yo, Grant's revolutionized the way we play defense. But this is a guy that everybody was happy to see leave. You know what I mean? Oh, he sucks. He had a bad stretch. He hey, sucks. We never felt that way on this show. So I'm happy for Grant. I'm just we were, we were always defenders. Yeah, we were always defenders of Grant. And I think... You know, obviously, there's a there's a vocal minority that, I'm, to be honest, it might even not have been a minority. There's a I lot think of it was a fifty fifty split. You know? Yeah, it was it, it was pretty split with Grant, to be hundred percent honest. But I'm happy for Grant to to do well in Dallas. I got to go living out here in Texas. I got to make sure I check out a game uh, with Grant and Luca. But before we wrap this up, Adam, I do want to get your thoughts here. It's been uh, it's been a minute since we we hopped on, and it's funny the the big trade that really wasn't a big trade that went through the other day. I wanted to touch on that here. And that of course is going to be James Harden going from the Philadelphia Sixers to the Los Angeles Clippers in return for some draft picks and Terrence Mann. Nope. They didn't get Terrence Mann. Uh, sorry. And uh, Norm Powell. Nope. They didn't get Norm Powell. Uh, sorry for uh, Marcus Morris, Nicholas Batum, KJ Martin. And I believe there's one other person I'm missing. Roka. And Robert Covington makes his Robert Covington, the man who has found his way back to the process after all these years being a part of that original process team now finds his way back to the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Adam, I wanted to get your thoughts on this and let's, let's focus on the 76ers portion of this just for a second, because that will most readily impact the, the Celtics. But what were your thoughts on, on this move from the Sixers finally ending this James Harden saga, which to be honest, I, I think it made such little waves because everyone is so over all of the James Harden bullshit. Yeah, I think for me, one of the biggest things was they lowered their asking price. If you look at the reporting, the front office were kind of like the ownership kind of said to Maury, like, no, you trade him now. We're, they started the season pretty well. Tyrese Maxey has been Player of the week. Fuego, dude, just on fire. He's, he's going to be an all-star this year, by the way. Yeah, 100%. And he's now, ready now that Harden's out the way, role. he's a guaranteed all-star. And he's ready to step into that star role, into being the primary ball handler. And I think he actually fits better with Embiid mm-hmm. because of his acceleration, his, like the rim pressure that he provides, and just he, he's more willing to get off the ball and give it to Embiid than what Harden would have been. Harden was, at this stage, he was an elite playmaker, but he wasn't the scoring he's not even maestro. Happy doing that. He was complaining about that. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm really good at it, but I want to be leading the team. So I think that, yeah, they didn't get Terrence, man. They didn't get what they wanted, but they can flip some of these pieces. You know, Morris is reliable. He can get you buckets. Rocco can give you some wing defense. Obviously, he's not the same defender he was a few years back. And you get some draft picks. So you can yeah. do what you need to do with those draft picks. I think that you know, Philadelphia will want to believe that they're a contending team now that Harden's gone and Maxi's kind of taking that next step in his development and you have the MVP, but I, I don't see it. I, I think they've added yeah. depth and, you know, they've got a solid duo to build around, but it's not this year for them. Yeah, I think this unleashes Maxi to a to a certain degree. And I said this in the in the preseason that, you know, as soon as they trade Harden, I'm guaranteeing you Tyrese Max is going to be an all-star. I think it also allows them to get a more well-rounded five out there, meaning that the Anthony Melton, who's your boy, can now start and you know actually give them a little bit more of a of a defensive lift, right? So you don't have to worry about well, we have to play Maxi and Harden out there, right? So I think that rounds out their team. And like you said, I love the way Maxi plays off of Embiid because he's one of the fastest guys in the NBA. And then Joel Embiid wants to play a little bit slower, so 
you have, all right, we're all geared up. We're all focused on Joel Embiid. And then all of a sudden, Tyrese Maxey gets an outlet pass and he's down the court in 0.2 seconds going for a layup or he's pulling up for an open three-pointer because you're worried about where's Joel Embiid and Joel Embiid might be trailing for an open three or if they set up in the half court, then they can kind of work that ball through Embiid where, like you said, Maxey's going to be more um, satisfied to work off the ball and work through Embiid when it is in that half court and know that, you know, he can utilize his speed in other ways to play off Embiid. So while they didn't get back, I I mean, Batum can play a little bit. Marcus Morris, we'll see, you know, Rocco. They, they got some they got some some depth, which is fine. Uh, they're all expiring because I think the, the Sixers are really big on trying to find somebody, depending on what that free agent class looks like in the offseason. Uh, but like you said, they do have room to go ahead and make another move. Uh, this season for maybe another an expiring deal. So I, I, I think for the Sixers, addition by subtraction, but they're still clearly in that tier below the Celtics and Bucks. I know the Bucks are still figuring it out. I'm still I'm I'm not ready to say the the Bucks are you know they're struggling a little bit to start the season here. But when you have Damon Giannis, I'm going to give you more time to go ahead and figure it out and still put Celtics Bucks in one tier in the East, and then right below it, I'd put the the Sixers at the head of that class. But it's the Sixers. The Cavs, the Knicks, the Heat, I'd probably cut it off as that second tier is, is, is those four teams. And I would put the Sixers probably to the front of that just by process of by the process of having, you know, Joel Embiid. So, it, you know, I, I think it it opens up for them to make some more moves and to play a little bit or just to play stress free without all the bullshit that comes with James Harden. And then for the Clippers, you know. We talked about it with the three-man weave the other day. Like the Clippers were kind of off to an interesting start. I haven't had a chance to to check in with them last night. Uh, check with them in this season. Excuse me, last they night la- they lost they lost in overtime oh, to the geez. Lakers. Yeah, old man LeBron had a little early birthday party and decided to to go ahead and get the celebration started. But you know, I think for the Clippers, you know, we just mentioned it. James Harden, if he just wants to come in and be a facilitator, they have not had anywhere near the playmaker facilitator to work with Kawhi and Paul George and you know everything else that they have going on. Like that could be a great fit, but he doesn't want to fucking do that. And he's a malcontent who I, I don't know, it just you know disappears in the biggest moments. We've seen it time and time again. It, it's a big gamble for the Clippers. I get it from a talent perspective. Uh, I, I'm I'm not a hundred percent in on this being a great move for them, but we'll have to see. Did you see Vince Carter's comments on it for, on Fanjul TV? So shout out Fanjul TV. They just followed me on social media, so you know I'm gonna give them a little bit of props because that's dope. There it is. Um, I'll let your boys. Yo, I'm I'm available if you're paying enough. Um, jokes aside, Vince Carter was like, "Why rock the boat?" Russ has started this season fantastically. Russ that's is what looking, we said too. He's yeah, been great. Russ is looking like Russ. You know, what I mean, two years he, with the Lakers, being like, like Russ that we've all been wanting for like two Washington years. Russ. Yeah, he's looking like the Russ that Not was in Washington that, to the point that he's like he's taking smart shots and being efficient. You know what I mean? Like he's been like eleven, eight, and eleven most nights. You know, something to that effect. And when you have Paul, when you actually have Paul George and Kawhi, like. That's what you want from this stage of, of Russell Westbrook. And then a the night they need to sit, Russ, go fucking nuts. <laughs> go go get your third. Do what you, you need know what to I mean? do, bro. But now you bring in Harden, it's going to be like, well, I want the ball. And you're gonna you're probably going to give it him because you've just made this trade to bring him in. And now Russ is in the exact same situation he was with the Lakers. And it, doesn't, it didn't work then, so it's not going to work now because he's at his best when... He's got that freedom. We just spoke about Tatum having freedom, how some players just need that bit of extra freedom. Russ needs just he just, he needs a hall pass. Like yeah. don't, he just needs to be free. Let Russ do Russ things. 
with Harden there, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for Russ to be on the ball enough to really be yeah. doing what we've seen him do. Unless Harden's going to be told to, you know, play off ball. And you want to be a shooter and you want to score, fine, but you're not going to get the ball. You're going to catch and shoot. You're going to drive when you can. And if you don't like it, well, you can hit free agency in the summer and no one's going to pick you up because they all think you're going to leave anyway. And then you can go play with Kemba and Monica because that's how it's trending. <laughs> yeah. that, might, that might be the next step for James Harden. So we'll have to see how that whole saga plays out. But Adam, this was meant to be a quick hit. We were having a good time. We went definitely a little bit longer than we expected here, man. But uh, it's always a pleasure for the Celtics. They have coming up. They've got a couple of days off here. Coming up on Saturday, they'll take on the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, and we have actually have, and just as like a programming note for Green with Envy, we got a really cool interview that's coming up uh, that hopefully we'll be recording tomorrow and then dropping, might drop on YouTube tomorrow as well. Uh, and then probably part of the podcast audio feed as part of our Sunday slash Monday edition. But as always, make sure that you are locked in, subscribed, all of that at Green MV Pod. Make sure you're following Adam Taylor MBA and appreciate y'all. We will talk to y'all later. Peace. Love you. I had to pause and stop and repeat. I was blind to the picture of who I could be. Black cloth on my heart. I took time to be. Can't cheat on your soul. The truth I shall speak. Uh, there are songs in the rain. Melodies and harmonies on different planes. The hurt is a part of me. Hands mold my pain. Transcribed into lyrics that transcend the game. Manifest with practice. Studying the best. It's simple. The tactics can't hold me back. Shine the track uh, Now let me tell you what I can do Be a man, put his hand to the candle Take the flame to my brain and expand Dark parts of my mind shine like my band <laughs>